Hello, and welcome to the All Saints Podcast. I'm Hugh Cole. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I hope that you're enjoying the podcast so far, and if you are, please tell your friends about us. And if you like what you've been hearing, please leave us a rating. Just like last week, we'll be bringing you the 10 a.m. sermon from All Saints Church, Chevy Chase, as well as the children's homily from the family table service. First up this week, we hear from our associate rector, the Reverend B.J. Burricker, with a sermon for Sunday, September 13th, 2020, entitled, Forgiving Others as God Has Forgiven Us. Jesus says in his parable, out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, good morning and grace and peace be with all of you wherever you are. I want to start this morning by asking a question, a rather easy one. Have you ever been forgiven? Hmm. Of course we have. I mean, it's a silly question, right? Of course we've all been forgiven. We probably forgive people every day. We get forgiven every day because we all mess up. So let me ask it this way. Have you ever been forgiven of something that you know 100% without a shadow of a doubt that you absolutely did not deserve forgiveness. Mm. You had messed up in such a way that you truly knew that you deserved for that relationship to fall apart. And yet they forgave you anyway. And what did that do to the relationship you had with that person? One of the stories I like to tell on myself, although it's hardly the worst story about me, you can ask Kimberly for all of those, (laughs) Um, but when I was in middle school, a good friend of mine named Fred, many of you very well might know him, Um, he and I were involved in precursors to the internet, and I was in a chat room with what I thought was a mutual friend of ours, but we all had aliases, so I couldn't be for certain. At some point, this mutual friend says, hey, what do you really think about Fred? And I, in my infinite and sarcastic humor, said, oh, Fred, he's a pompous fool. To which this mutual friend responds, joke's on you, buddy. I am Fred, loser, and signs off. And I'm crushed. I have this great friend, and I knew I didn't deserve forgiveness. I knew something was broken. But I went to him anyway and said, Fred, I'm so sorry. Can you ever forgive me? And I know I'd hurt him. He knew I'd hurt him, and yet he did forgive me. This could have been something that ended a relationship right then and there, and now has truly been a lifelong friendship. Forgiveness is all about relationships. Like Bishop Salmon always says, it's all about relationships. And our text this morning is all about forgiveness. Just before Peter's brilliant question that was read to us this morning, Jesus has just talked about the way forgiveness ought to look, especially within the church. Someone sins against you. How should you react? spread it all around, ruin their reputation, attack them, throw them out of the church? No. He says, seek forgiveness and seek restoration. Forgive them. And so Peter, who I think is brilliant here, says, well, wait a minute. How many times do I actually need to forgive here? Really, there's got to be a limit to this, right? I mean, I can't keep forgiving a repeat offender over and over and over again, right? I mean, I have my rights. They've they've offended me. I should get my justice. There's got to be an end to this. Otherwise, it's not good for me. It's not good for them. I know seven times. That's a good limit. 
And this is a brilliant limit because the general norm at the time was that you forgive three times. And after three, it's clear that the person is not really sorry for what they've done. So you don't have to forgive them anymore. So Peter doubles the three, adds one, and gets the perfect divine number of seven. Surely that's enough, right? No. Jesus says, no, 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 not just seven, but 70 times seven. Now, if you keep score when people offend you and you reach 490, you need better hobbies. (laughs) There are better things to do with your time. And so, of course, Jesus isn't being literal here. He's telling us that our forgiveness should be limitless, unbounded, and free. Now, in telling us to do that, he's not saying just gloss over and pretend that there's no real hurt. When people offend us, it hurts. And we can't gloss that over and pretend that it's no big deal. And with some sins and offenses, the consequences can be drastically serious. And things don't always go back to the way they were beforehand even when we forgive. So Jesus is saying that despite the hurt, despite the harm that they've caused you, don't hold it against them. Don't hold a grudge. Let go of all those feelings of resentment, of bitterness, of anger and vengeance. Let them go. And don't ever bring this up again to the person who hurt you, to other people, or even to yourself. Instead of trying to get even, love people anyway. Again, going back to my buddy Fred, that's exactly what he did. He admitted that he had been hurt, but he was willing to love me anyway, impart our relationship above any rights or any justice that he deserved. And I see this all the time, honestly, with children. Perhaps it's because their memories aren't as good as ours, but children forgive all the time. I have four of them, so there's always somebody's feelings who are hurt, somebody's (laughs) toys who are broken, or somebody's stuffed animal has run away. I don't know how often I hear, I hate you, and I'm never talking to you again. But apparently for a six-year-old, never is about 20 minutes. (laughs) They forgive each other, they start playing together again, and it moves on because the relationship with their brother and sister is more important than the hurt. We see that even here with the Joseph story. Joseph doesn't hold a grudge, and he doesn't repay them what they owe. He forgives his brothers. And so Jesus here is saying, be like Joseph, be like those children, be like Fred. Let it go. Don't hold it against them. Forgive. But why? Why should we forgive? Why is this so important? Well, there's any number of reasons Jesus could have given for this. He could have talked about the harm that not forgiving can cause us, right? And we know this. If we hold grudges, we know how bitter, how angry, and even how much despair or depression we can feel when we don't let go. It can make us stressed out or anxious. I mean, if you've ever tried to hold a grudge, it can be exhausting. And we've already mentioned relationships, Not forgiving can break relationships, fracture communities, and I've seen it tear churches apart. But Jesus doesn't talk about that. He also doesn't talk about the benefits that I would receive from forgiving somebody. 
And most people, as psychology tells us nowadays, is that people who forgive, they're generally happier, they're more hopeful, they experience more peace, less stress, anxiety, less depression, and their relationships are frequently restored or strengthened as a result. But Jesus doesn't talk about that either. Instead, he tells yet another parable. Hmm. And this parable is the crux of the story. It's the heart of what Jesus is getting at, and it all centers around two debts and two servants. Now, I'm assuming that most of you are not familiar with the economics of ancient Judea. (laughs) So you probably don't know what a denarius is or what a talent is. I didn't either. I had to look this up. And it turns out a denarius was about what the average person would make working in one day. So the second servant here who owes 100 denarii, he owes roughly four months' salary. That's a significant amount of money. It's about what we tell people to save up for for an engagement ring, right? But you could pay that back. Given enough time, this servant, he could probably save up the money in a year, certainly within two, pay the debt back and be fine. A talent, on the other hand, was much, much more than a denarius. One talent was 6,000 denarii. That's 20 years' worth of work. So this servant who owes 10,000 denarii owes 200,000 years worth of work. If he had started when Jesus told this parable, he'd only have 198,000 more years to go. (laughs) No problem. This is a ludicrous amount of money to owe. It's absolutely ridiculous and almost humorous that this number would be uh, mentioned. There's no way this guy can pay back this debt. It's absolutely impossible. And so he goes to his master and says, have mercy on me, have pity, just give me some time, as if that will help, and I'll pay it all back. And the master, who has every right to demand it be paid back right now, has every right to punish this servant who can't pay it back, has every right to demand satisfaction right now, acts not with justice, not with vengeance, but with mercy and compassion and forgiveness. He sees the plight of the servant, he loves him, and rather give more time or reduce the debt. He erases it completely. It's gone, forever, gone. 200,000 years worth of wages erased. Your debt is free. Now imagine if you're that servant, the weight that would be lifted off your shoulders, the amount of peace and joy and happiness you would likely feel from that. I don't know about you, but I would hope that I'd want to pay it forward. Especially when I meet a servant who only owes four months worth of work. That's peanuts. It's nothing. Who cares? I still come out so far to the positive, it just doesn't matter. But he doesn't react with compassion and mercy and forgiveness. He reacts with anger and violence and vengeance. He demands, right now, I get what's due me. And if you can't pay it, then I'm going to beat you and throw you into prison. This guy does not get what he's been forgiven from. He doesn't understand it. And when the master finds out how he's treated the servant, he punishes the first servant all the more. And the ending of this parable, quite frankly, is terrifying. And it's designed to wake us up, to shock us, to get our attention, so that we would be motivated to be more like the master and less like that unmerciful servant. So rather than focus on the ending of this story, 
I want us to focus on the master. Because God himself is this master from the story. And God always acts with compassion, mercy, and forgiveness Mm -hmm. to those who ask. Mm -hmm. And if you don't believe me, buy a Bible and read it because it's on every single page. From Adam and Eve who rebel against God in the garden, God forgives them and promises them a Savior. When the Israelites are wandering around in the desert, constantly complaining, building golden calves, rebelling against Moses and God, God gives them food, water, and leads them to the promised land. He forgives. When David commits adultery and then follows that up by covering it up with murder, as if that would help, God restores him to the throne and forgives him. God sends the promised Messiah to the nation despite their consistent idolatry and acts of injustice. God takes the prophet Jonah, who ran in the opposite direction, and makes him one of his prophets and brings about forgiveness not just to Jonah, but to the people of Nineveh. Our Lord Jesus, after his crucifixion, takes Peter aside and forgives him for denying Jesus three times. And while Jesus himself is being crucified, what is it that he says? Mm. Father, forgive them. The cross itself is the best symbol of forgiveness Mm -hmm. in this entire world. Every time you look at it, you should think forgiveness. Think about the worst thing you've ever done. Your deepest, darkest secret. The cross says you are forgiven. Have you ever hurt anybody, deeply hurt them? The cross says you are forgiven. Have you ever rebelled against God and told him how much you hate him and wish he'd leave you alone? (laughs) The cross says you are forgiven. Mm. Whether you've lied, cheated, steal, stolen, committed adultery, used other people, the cross says you are forgiven. In the crucifixion, Jesus himself removes the guilt of our sins. He heals us. We feel the forgiveness of God. And yes, we likely still have work to do to make amends with people on this earth. But in the blood of the Lamb, our sins are washed away completely, permanently, forever. They are gone. And the debt that we owed God is way bigger than a denarius or 10,000 talents. And in the cross of Christ... They are gone. If we've been forgiven that much, surely we ought to forgive others what they do to us. We have to forgive because God has forgiven us. Yes, forgiveness can be incredibly difficult. It can take a lot of hard work and it probably requires energy every single day. But the church is called to be a place of compassion of mercy and forgiveness, because our God is a God of compassion, mercy, and forgiveness. Forgiveness strengthens our relationships, it builds up the church, but most importantly, it reflects the character of God himself. So if you struggle to to forgive today, if you struggle to let go of the offenses that people have made against you, let me encourage you to get to know the Master. Spend time this week just reflecting on the character of God, thinking about his grace, his mercy, his compassion, and forgiveness. Ask him to soften your heart so that you would forgive and love like he does. 
He answers prayers like that. Out of pity for us, God, like the master of the story, has released us and forgiven us. May we also go out and release and forgive those who sin against us. Amen. 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 And now, a children's homily from Father Matthew Kozlowski. Well, hi. Father Matthew with a homily for you today. And this week's theme is, where is God in the everyday? What does that mean? Well, it means, where is God in the daily rhythms of my life? Or where is God in the normal everyday things that I do? Here's an example. Psalm 139, very famous psalm. The Bible says, O Lord, you know when I sit down and when I stand up. And later on it says, and when I wake up in the morning, you are with me. So what do you do when you wake up in the morning? Brush your teeth? Parents, I know you might start the day with a cup of coffee. Well, here's the thing. If you have the word of God in your mind and in your heart, you might have that cup of coffee and say, ah, oh Lord, you know when I wake up and you are with me. Comes a little reminder. Here's another one. Psalm uh, 28, verse 7. The Lord is my strength, my shield from every danger. Psalm 28, 7. Well, in the olden days, people would carry around shields when they went into battle. A lot of us are carrying around a different type of shield these days. Mask. My wife, Danielle, made this one. Put it on when you go into the store or maybe to school. Sort of like a shield, isn't it? Maybe when you put on your mask, you think of that verse, Psalm 28, 7. Oh Lord, you are my strength and my shield from every danger. How about this one? Bottle of water. Thirsty? Mmm. This reminds me of how Jesus says, I am the living water. Anyone who drinks of me will never be thirsty again. What's my point with all this stuff? My point is that reminders of God are around us everywhere and every day if we have eyes to look at them, if our hearts are open to see these reminders of God instead of just normal everyday things that we either pass over or complain about. Here's the truth. Life can be tricky and life can be hard and things can happen over the course of a day that we don't want. But if the eyes of our heart are opened, we can see God even in those moments. Example, you're driving along and somebody in the car passes you going really fast, way too fast. You might think to yourself, that person's really in a hurry. Maybe somebody in their family is sick. I'm gonna say a prayer for that person. Might be true, might not be true but you can say a prayer for that person anyway. Maybe you're having a hard time with somebody at school or grown-ups. Maybe you're having a hard time with somebody at work. A lot of times we'll pray to God and say, oh, dear God, change this situation. Make this conflict go away. Change this person's attitude. Change this person's behavior. Something you might try is saying, dear God, let me just pray for this other person. I pray for the best for that person, and I pray for my heart to change even before that person's heart changes. My colleague Gary Weeder had a good point about that in a recent daily moment. Here's the point. 
You can pray all day long for other people, for the blessings and the reminders of God that are all around you. And that is just a couple of ways that God shows up every day and in the everyday. Where is God in the everyday? Well, everywhere. God bless you. Well, brothers and sisters, it's time for the prayers of the people. So I'm going to send it over to our guest family this week, which is the Ottenbright family. Let's join our voices with them as we pray before the Lord. Ottenbright fam, take it away. Let us pray to the Lord, ending each prayer by saying, Amen, Lord have mercy. May the ministers and leaders of our churches have wisdom and speak with one voice. Amen. Amen. Lord, have mercy. May the leaders of our country rule with righteousness. Amen. Lord, have mercy. May Jesus be our shield and defender in justice. Amen. Lord, have mercy. May the country have peace and the people be blessed. Amen. Lord, have mercy. May the flocks and their herds prosper, and the fish abound in our lakes. Amen. Lord, have mercy. May the fields be fertile and the harvest plentiful. Amen. Lord, have mercy. May we and our enemies turn towards peace. Amen. Lord, have mercy. May those who have died rest in peace. Amen. Lord, have mercy. May the love of the Father touch the lonely, the bereaved, and the suffering. Amen. Lord, have mercy. May the path of the world be swept of all dangers. Amen. Lord, have mercy. May the men, women, and children of All Saints Church follow the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The Lord of mercy is with us. Well, thanks be to God. Amen. Let's add one more prayer to that list of prayers, which is the Lord's Prayer. We all know it. So bow your head like this or hold hands with the people that are around you. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the All Saints podcast. To download future episodes automatically, you can subscribe and have the episodes delivered to you each week by going to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and clicking subscribe. And if you've liked the podcast so far, we would really appreciate it if you took a few minutes to give us a rating. As we continue to take steps towards being back together, please be safe, stay well, and God bless.